Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. If you would, open your Bibles quickly with me tonight to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And this is going to be kind of our opening verse for the evening uh, tonight. And, and we're continuing this series that I've entitled, A New Season, Same God. We've, we've been looking at this uh, just series of messages and kind of noticing uh, what it is and what it is that the Lord is actually doing in every season of our life. Amen. How many of you know that the Lord takes us through seasons? Amen. That is, the Lord leads us. Sometimes it's into a season of, of, of testing. Sometimes it's into a season of, of, you know, just like the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. He, he, didn't, he didn't tempt Jesus, but he led him into the wilderness. Amen. And the Lord leads us from season to season, from glory to glory. And so tonight, as we continue, I want us to look at this verse, and many of you have heard it, many of you know it. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16, the scripture says this. It says, rejoice always. Amen? It says, rejoice always. It says, pray continually. And verse 18 says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'll read it one more time. Rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we see what the scripture is showing us. Paul is teaching us something, and Paul is, is showing us something. He's telling his readers to give thanks in all circumstances. This is one of the biggest things that becomes a challenge to you and to your life in a season of trial. Amen? One of the most difficult things to do in a season of suffering is to give thanks. Amen? It's one of the most challenging things for any believer. And so regardless of how challenging or difficult your circumstances may be, we can still find reasons to thank God. Amen? It doesn't matter what, what, how difficult the season that you face actually is. There's reason to be thankful. Amen? How many of you can be thankful that the Lord works out all things together for the good of those who love him? Amen? That's a reason to be thankful. I'm thankful that my circumstance or my trial or my situation or the things that I face on a daily basis are actually doing something in my life that is purposed by God. It's not just something that I've gone through. It's not just something that was some chapter that was written in my life, but it's actually the Lord working out something for the good of those who love him. Amen. How many of you love Jesus tonight? Praise God. We can be thankful that God's grace is sufficient to sustain us in every circumstance. You know the verse, but it says that the grace of God is sufficient. Amen? That is that no matter what you go through, there is grace that is supplied by a living God to sustain you. What does that mean? That means that, you know, as believers, guess what? How many of you have ever failed God? Amen? Just me? Oh, okay, all right. So there's somebody, there's somebody else. All right. You failed God. And how many of you remember the scripture that says, you know, that for all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. You know, that would be a hopeless verse if, if it was just you've all sinned and failed. You've all fallen short of the glory of God. It would be hopeless if you did not know that grace actually existed. Amen. 
But because we know that grace exists and because we know that the living God has sent his son to die for our sins and to make a way so that we could be reconciled to God, so that our sins could be washed away, that they could be separated as far as the east is from the west, that we know that God is a loving God because he supplied us with something that we didn't deserve. Grace is an unmerited favor with God, amen? And we can thank God for his grace even in difficult circumstances. We can be thankful that nothing can separate us from the love of God. How many of you remember that verse in Romans chapter 8? It says no height, no depth, no angel, no demon, no principality. It says nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God. What a powerful verse. What a powerful encouragement. What a powerful hope that is provided for your life and for mine. To know that this God that has given himself for us, willingly to serve us, to lay his life down, he loves us so much. And that love, that transforming love, the love that we sing about right now, the love that you're experiencing in this room even now, it's so comforting to know that nothing could separate us from that love. Nothing. He goes on to say no trial, no hardship, no famine, no nakedness, no sword. Nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. I'm so thankful that nothing can separate us from that love. Amen. I'm so grateful for that in my life. We can be thankful that the Lord supports us spiritually, even when trials produce difficulty in our prayer life. Romans 8 and 26, how many of you know that verse? But it says, when we ourselves don't know what we ought to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Amen? I'm thankful for that, amen? Because there's times where, you know what, I don't even know what to say. I'm like, Lord, I just throw up my hands and I'm like, God, I don't, I, I don't have the right words to say. I don't even know what it is that I need. But guess what? A living God knows what you need, Amen? The living God knows your heart. He's the, his, his word, the Bible says in Hebrews 4, it's able to divide the soul from the spirit, the bone from the marrow. Trust me, God knows what you need. And when you call upon him and you say, Lord, I don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will rise up inside of your life and he'll begin to pray through your life for what it is that you need. You might think like, oh God, I got to pray for my needs. I got to pray because you know what? I got a bad hip today. You know, whatever it is that you think you need to pray for. And the Lord's so gracious that even he will step in that gap. Hebrews talks about how he is the great high priest. He's the great high priest. That is, he intercedes for you day and night. He prays on your behalf day and night. I'm thankful that no matter what I am going through, even in the seasons where it seems that you do not have the strength to pray, the Lord will step in that place for us. The Lord will pray when we can't pray. Pastor shared it a little bit on Sunday, and he was talking about when the disciples and Jesus were in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And, and they were there, and, and, they, and Jesus asked them, he says, he tells them to, to stay awake and watch and pray, Right? And then Jesus goes away to pray and he comes back a few minutes later. And what does he do? He finds the disciples asleep. And he asks them the question. He said, can you not stay awake and pray with me? You see, the scripture says what? He goes on to say, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, the spirit is always willing. The Lord has supplied everything, church. You know, the Bible says that he's given us everything for life and for godliness. You lack absolutely nothing right now. Did you know that? 
You lack absolutely nothing. Because even if you're looking at your bank account and you're looking at insufficient funds and you're looking at a declined credit card, you still have everything that you need if you have Jesus in your life. Amen? You have everything that you need. And sometimes we forget that. Rough circumstances will always prove the genuineness of your faith. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this. It says, praise to God for a living hope. It says, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Amen. And it says, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. It says, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. Verse 6 is a key here. It says, so in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have, to have, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. But verse 7 says, but these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Verse 8, I love this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. What a sweet verse. See, though I haven't seen him, though I haven't beheld with my eyes Jesus, I haven't physically touched him. It says, though you haven't seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Paul previously wrote, rejoice always. Did you know that joy is not the same thing as happiness? You know, people say things like, oh, I love pizza. I love tacos. You know, I love those things, right? I love this car. I love this, you know, sports team. And that's not love. That's not genuine. That's not agape. You know, it's, it's different. It's the same thing with happiness. There's things in this life that you may acquire, you may receive. There's instances that may make you happy for a moment, but ultimately they're unfulfilling because the true source of happiness is not happiness in itself. It's joy. Joy springs up from one source and one source alone, and that's through Jesus. He is the one that is able to fill you with an inexpressible joy. It's a fountain that, is, that you are attached to, that you're able to drink from. It's a well that you're able to drink from on a daily basis because you have a relationship with Jesus. So that no matter what circumstance comes to your life to try to rob your joy, the enemy that tries to attack your life, you always have the well of joy available because you know Jesus. Amen. And so he, he tells us, he said, rejoice always, amen? But the scripture notes the difference between giving thanks for our circumstances as opposed to giving thanks in our circumstance. You see, I don't necessarily have to give thanks for the circumstance. I just need to give thanks in the circumstance. I could have a storm raging around my life. The enemy could be targeting you and just, you know, shooting arrows at your life every single day. But it's what you do from that moment. It's what you do in response to the season, to the attack, to the, to the thing that you're going through in life. That's what the Lord is looking for. Because it's from that place that your faith is proven genuine. 
He sees your response in the season. He sees your response and how you respond to the things that come your way. For example, a car wreck may not find us giving thanks for a twisted fender or a smashed up, you know, radiator or whatever. But we can give thanks that we have insurance and we can thank God that we're still alive. Amen? There's a difference, right? We may not thank God for an illness, but we can thank God for, for medicines and for doctors. Amen? You see, persecution is not something that we would be thankful for, but we can be thankful that God could even use that hardship for our eternal benefit. Amen? And so this leads us to our first point tonight, and that is this. is number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, and that's this, is never curse your crisis. Never curse your crisis or never despise your desert. That is... You know, that is to look at the thing that you're going through and think that, you know what, this thing is just worthless in my life. There's no purpose behind this thing that I'm going through. I'm just going to kick and scream and whine like a little baby until, you know, I get on the other side of it. I'll just share this with you. Side note is that we shouldn't confuse seasons with circumstances because oftentimes seasons are God-led and circumstances can sometimes be self-inflicted wounds or even attacks from the enemy. There's a big difference. What's a self-inflicted wound? A self-inflicted wound is maybe, you know, you, you willfully knowing that you're not supposed to do something. You know, you're, you, you've, you've, you've struggled with the, the sin of addiction to chocolate cake. And then you walk into the bakery, man. <laughs> you walk into the bakery section at HEV and you see nothing but cakes galore. They're all over. And you know that that's been an addiction to your life. And, and you fall to temptation. You... You buy a cake and you eat the whole thing in one sitting. And then you say, oh, God, that was the worst thing that I've done. Lord, I shouldn't have done that. God, you, you know, you know, you, you, you know, I, I, I'm like 8 million pounds now because I ate, you know, 10 cakes today. What is that? It's self-inflicted. Now we're asking God to get us out of a situation that we put ourselves in. Do you understand the difference? And there's situations where God leads us into, just like I quoted before in Matthew 4 and 4, it talks about how the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. That was a God-led moment. And then there's attacks from the enemy. The attacks from the enemy are sometimes things that just happen in our life because guess what? You woke up today and you said, I'm going to serve the living God and I'm going to carry my cross and I'm going to follow Jesus. Well, guess up. Guess what? The devil woke up too and the devil's not going to be happy with the fact that you're carrying your cross for Jesus. Amen? And so he's going to come to attack your life. He's going to come to try to discourage your life from following the Lord. And so sometimes you're in a circumstance because of a lack of self-denial or a lack of self-control or a lack of obedience. And in other times, circumstances are just brought on by our sinful world and our sinful nature. But it doesn't always mean it happened because of God. Amen? I had to just make that little side note. But I want us to understand something. In Christ's most difficult moment, and the most difficult moment for Jesus was when he was upon the cross. Amen? This had to be the most gut-wrenching thing that the Savior had to endure. If you can imagine with me just for a second, the scripture even says from the prophets, it says that God even turned his face away from his son. You see, Jesus had never experienced that before. 
Jesus never had to go through, you know, what sometimes we feel or what sometimes we experience in this world and in this life. And that is that if God turned his face from us. Jesus was always in a perfect connection and relationship to the Father. That is, he heard his voice, he, he sensed his leading, he knew that his spirit and his presence was with him. But in those moments when he was upon the cross, church, he had to go through what you and I have gone through. He had to go through what you and I have suffered. He had to experience things that he had never experienced before, and that was the sin of this world. That was the ugliness of sin and deceit and all these nasty things. And in Matthew 27, verse 35, it says this, when they had crucified him, so he is already upon the cross. It says, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by, they hurled insults at him shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. And in the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. If you can imagine just for a second, this is the most challenging moment of his life. With every breath, with every second that is passing by, the life of Jesus is, is being given up. Blood is spilling from his side, from his back, all over his body. He's mutilated and tortured. He's hanging upon a cross, and yet people are still insulting his life. See, I don't know about you, but, but you, know, uh, you know, some of us, you know, we have a short fuse. <laughs> Some of us may not have been able to endure in those moments. We've wanted to retaliate. We've wanted to say something in our defense. We want to, you know, say something to maybe, you know, cover up our name and say, no, I didn't do those things. But Jesus uttered nothing. He could have, he could have called upon his father and said, Lord, burn them all up. He didn't do that. He uttered no words from his mouth. The people that were next to him insulted his life. When I'm picturing this in my heart and in my life, it's just impossible to think sometimes to, to, to understand the amount of pressure and the amount of, of just ugliness that was surrounding Jesus in this moment. But he did not curse back at them or the situation that he was going through. He did not even curse God. He didn't curse God. He didn't say, oh, God, what, you know, what is this wretched mess that you put me in? God, what is it that, that you're doing to my life? Why are you doing this to me, God? He didn't curse God, church. And many times we want to lash out and we want to be angry and we want to be bitter about the seasons of life that we're facing. And the Lord is saying, but do you trust me? Do you trust in my plan? Do you trust that I am the one that is leading you? Do you trust that I am sitting with you right now? Do you trust that I am in the very middle of everything that you could ever face? Do you trust me now? 
Do you trust that my power is able to save you from whatever it is that you're experiencing? You see, in a lot of times, our response in circumstance will reveal what we place our trust in. The most hopeless situation that mankind was ever in was solved by the spotless Lamb of God in three days. And that was being reconciled to God. Did you know, church, that you and I are absolutely powerless to change our status before God? Did you know that? There's not enough sermons that you could listen to. There's not enough church services that you could attend. There's not enough things that you could do right or righteous, you know, by fulfilling the law that you could do to make yourself right with God. Because the scripture says, even our works are like filthy rags to him. The Bible says that our heart is, is beyond repair. It's deceitful. It's corrupted. You see, unless the spotless Lamb of God stepped in our place, you and I wouldn't be here today. Amen? Unless Jesus showed mercy and unless he said, I will go and I will surrender and I will give my life for them, then guess what? We would have all been hopeless and lost. Romans 5 and 6 says this. It says, you see, at just the right time. Everybody say this with me. At just the right time. Think about that just for a second. We often get hung up on our own time. We often get hung up on, on, on why God hasn't, you know, according to our plan and why God hasn't in, in, in when we wanted it to happen. And the scripture is telling us, it says, at just the right time. Do you know that the Lord knows your timing and the timing of his plan for your life better than you know yourself? Amen. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Make no mistake that the things that you could be facing right now or will face in the future are always meant to build up your faith. Amen? And note what the scripture says. He says, you are powerless. You see, if the enemy has ever given you a guilt trip in your life, then I need to remind you where you stand in controlling your situation. And that's this, is we don't change seasons, God does. Amen? We don't change the season that we're in. Only God does. The only thing that we have control over is how we respond. Think about it this way. Paul and Silas were, were a lot of times imprisoned for their faith and for preaching Jesus wherever they went, right? And they, they're in prison. They're shackled. They're chained. They're bound. And what did they do? Instead of sitting in a prison cell in the midnight hour complaining and crying, they actually sang praises to God. What a revelation. In the middle of a prison cell that they would say, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to be, you know, hung up on the fact that I've got chains around my wrists and, and chains around my legs. And I'm, I'm in this dungeon. I'm in this place, God, that, that's uncomfortable. It's smelly. It's sweaty, God. It's not a place that I want to be, Lord. But, God, I know that even if I am here, God, you are in the midst with me. And so, therefore, God, I can give you worship and I can give you praise. And guess what happened when they praised God? It resulted in the freeing and the liberation of not only their life, but all those who are captive. God is able to do more in a moment than you could ever think of in your life. But guess what? It comes down to how will you respond. 
How will you respond? Job lost everything, and despite losing everything, and I'm talking sons and daughters and, and business and, and servants and workers and, and all of his possessions, he loses all these things in a moment, church. Things that would ravish our life, things that would destroy us, things that, you know, some of us may not even be able to recover from. And the Bible says that despite all of what Job lost, in Job chapter 1, verse 20, it says, At this, Job got up, he tore his robe, and he shaved his head, and then he fell to the ground in worship. You see, he didn't fall in despair. Amen? He didn't fall in hopelessness. He fell to the ground in worship, and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. He says, But the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. But may the name of the Lord be praised. You see, how you respond is what the Lord is looking at, not the things that you're about to go through. We'll go through all kinds of trial and all kinds of hardship in this life. And a lot of times circumstances have a way of squeezing and deceiving your life. What does that mean, Pastor Duke? It means this. Your prayer life suffers and your praise begins to stop because bitterness towards your circumstance ultimately will cause a break in your relationship with God. And you have to ask yourself the question right now, am I bitter? Because when you're bitter, your worship changes. Amen. That was a good time to say amen. You see, when you're bitter, when you're hung up on something, when you're upset about your circumstance and all these things, it has a way of squeezing and deceiving your life because your bitterness will ultimately, you know, be used by the enemy to cause a severance and a break in your relationship with God. The enemy wants nothing more but to cause you to just, you know, detach from the Lord. And we know that John chapter 15 is, is about the vine and the branches. And we know what scripture says. He said, apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. But if you abide in me, I abide in you. Amen. And so the living source of life that we are connected ourselves to only happens when we are in relationship with Jesus. But the enemy wants to cause a break in that relationship. Amen? And like I said, God is looking to what your response will be. It was once said this, if God is enthroned upon our praises, then who's enthroned when we complain? If God is enthroned when you worship and when you praise him and when you glorify his name and when you sing just of how wonderful his name is, then who is enthroned when you do the opposite? Who is enthroned when you complain, when you wallow yourself like a pig in, 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 in slime, you know, you wallow in bitterness? Who's enthroned then? Who's lifted up in that moment? See, God is looking for people who will rejoice from the refiner's fire. God is looking for people who won't curse the season they're experiencing because the scripture says, 1 Peter 1, I'll read it again, in all of this, you greatly rejoice. No matter what you go through, in all these things, he says, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, but these have come so that the proven genuine, genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Can you thank God tonight that you didn't have to save yourself? Amen. Are you thankful for Jesus? Amen. I want to remind us tonight that we're powerless to change our status with God in regards to our sin. Let's read about it. Romans 5, 6 again says this. At just the right time when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good, good man someone might possibly dare to die. Verse 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Amen. It says, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through this, his life? It says, not only in, is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. Amen. Are you thankful that you didn't have to save yourself? Amen. Are you thankful that you have a rescuer tonight? Amen. The second thing is this, is we are powerless to change our situation on our own. Like I said, all we can control is how we respond. We cannot control how we, you know, uh, you know, shift seasons in this life. Ephesians 2 and 1 says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgression and sin. Dead's a pretty powerful word. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. It says, all of us who lived amongst them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But verse 4 says, but because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Amen. You see, I'm so thankful for that tonight. I'm so thankful that in my powerlessness to be able to control my circumstance and my situation or my even status before God, I have a loving God that showed me mercy. If you've been trying to change your situation on your own, then stop trying and start trusting in the Lord. A lot of people look at, to things in this world has to offer for fulfillment of their life, but nothing, and I mean nothing, will ever satisfy the place in your life that only Jesus can fulfill. Amen? I need to remind you that God is not coming back for these earthly frail bodies that we live in. But he's going to return for our soul that is marked with the blood of the lamb and sealed with his Holy Spirit. That scripture literally says that you and I were the living dead, alive by flesh, but dead in the spirit. And I'm thankful that we have a living God that has made us now alive in Jesus. Amen. Psalms 9 verse 9 says this, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed. He is a stronghold in times of trouble. It says, those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. What a word of comfort, amen? He'll never forsake those that seek him, amen? The third thing that we read also is this, is that we're powerless to change our season, amen? There's a lot of things that you have control over in this life, but being in the season that you're currently in is actually something that God has you in for a reason. So complaining and whining and being angry with God or being bitter with God, it's not going to change what God desires to do in your life. It's not going to change what the Lord is seeking to accomplish in your life because if with the day that you said yes to Jesus and you surrendered your life to him, you have submitted yourself to his will. Amen. 
That means that we have prayed that prayer that just like Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. We're just saying your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if we've ever prayed that and we've, we've ever said that to the Lord, then guess what we've actually done in the spirit realm? We've opened the Lord up to say, okay, you want me to have my way in your life. All right, well, guess what? That's going to look like you being reformed and shaped into the image of my son. And guess what? In order for you to be reformed and reshaped, then I've got to break your life. There's a breaking season that every single person goes through. I've said it this way. A lot of times people and Christians get stuck just on salvation. They say, I've accepted Jesus and I've punched my ticket into heaven. What a glorious thing, amen? But the sanctification part is actually the part that is, is, is the thing that actually causes you, like Paul said, that we, we weep before the Lord. You know, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Because when God is wanting to do something in your life, then guess what? He's got to reform you, and that causes you to be broken down in every sense of the word. Every sense of the word. I've said it this way. A lot of times the Lord allows us to hit rock bottom so that we can realize that he is the rock at the bottom. He'll allow you to be completely crushed and completely, you know, just experience things in your life. And you say, God, it's hard. The stretching is hard. The squeezing is hard. The pressure is hard, God. All these things, it, it's so uncomfortable. But guess what? He's turning you into the image of his son. He's transforming your life without you even seeing it or recognizing it or realizing that it's happening in your life. But ultimately, it's for the purpose of his glory and his plan and his will for your life. And so guess what? Have your way in me, Lord. Have your way in my life, Jesus. It's a dangerous prayer, amen? But we've got to pray it. And so we need to embrace the Lord in everything because in the good, he is still God, amen? In the bad, he is still God, amen? He hasn't changed. And some, you know, the same God that sometimes we might question, like, Lord, this is, this is crazy. I don't even know, you know, what I signed up for. I'll never forget 2004, you know, the Lord, you know, uh, allowed me to step into ministry full time. And, and it was uh, uh, um, the most rewarding and awesome thing that I had ever experienced in my life. You know, I was, I finally felt like I was doing something for the Lord. I was like, all right, man, you know, like, praise God, you know, this is, this is what you've called me to do. But that year was probably the, one of the most difficult years of my life. Not only were there demonic attacks, you know, on my life, and I've shared some of those testimonies with you, but there was also just like a complete, like, you know, ripping away, you know, of, of like my family. And there was, you know, just like all kinds. I was living in a trailer behind my pastor's house. Excommunicated from family. And I signed up to fulfill the will of God for my life. I said, Lord, no matter what it costs, I'll follow you. And probably like from the get-go, the enemy just like brought this onslaught of attack to try to destroy me, to try to see like, oh, let's see if he's going to give up. Let's see if he can handle it. Let's see if, it, if these little pressures, these little trials, if, if, you know, if, if you know, losing family is going to cause him to turn away, if losing friends is going to cause him to turn away, if losing money and having nothing. I lived in my car, people. 
Oh, let me see if that's going to cause him to, to turn his back on God. Whatever it took, the enemy was bringing it, bringing it, bringing it, bringing it. Day and night, he was bringing it, bringing it, bringing it. And guess what? Every day I'd wake up and I'd pray and I'd say, God, I know that you've called me, Lord. I heard your voice very clear, Lord, in my life. Just see me through. That's all I'm asking. Just see me through. And even though some of it was the enemy and some of it was God just allowing me to be stretched and allowing me to be, you know, go through whatever I needed to go through, at the end of the day, the Lord's purpose was fulfilled in my life. And I think it's important for us to understand that God is still worthy of all the praise all the time. If somehow when you walked into the room tonight, you know, your, your praise was just a little bit less because of maybe some news that you heard today or something that you've experienced or maybe you woke up and your back hurt, then I would challenge you to press through those things and say, Lord, you're still worthy of everything that I have to give you. You're still worthy, Lord Jesus, of all that it is that I am able to honor you with, and that is my whole life, Lord. I think it's important, church, that we realize that the Lord has not put your circumstance or your life, you know, on hold. It's not like, you know, we're on some kind of like waiting list with God. The Lord's very aware of what you go through, amen? But what did I share in the beginning of my message? Seek first his kingdom and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Do you know, church, and I just want to debunk this myth, you're the not the only one that's ever felt like you've ever been abandoned by God. <laughs> and I don't know if some of you have felt that, you know, today or this week or, you know, recently or whatever, but, you know, sometimes we feel in moments like God's abandoned us. And the truth is, is we're not the only one. Amen. We've all felt like that at one time or another, but the Lord does not have a personal vendetta against us. That is, he's not like just attacking our life. He's not like just purposely picking on you. But the Lord is wanting to fulfill a purpose in your life. And we should never, ever forget that even when we're on the mountaintops in our relationship with him, and we realize that he is worthy from that place, even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's still worthy. He's still worthy. The world and everything and all the stuff that we experience in our life is, is going to try to challenge your worship. It's going to try to challenge your praise. One of the things that, you know, the enemy attacked Jesus with on that 40-day fast in the wilderness was that he would bow down and worship him. Right? And Jesus' response was that he would love the Lord his God with all his soul, his mind, and his strength. That was that he wasn't going to bow down and worship the enemy just because he was famished and he was tired and he was hungry. You see, who wasn't going to give in to the bait that would try to rob God of his praise? He wasn't going to simply give himself away so easy just because, you know, his arm was being twisted spiritually. And I say this again to, to you and to your life. The Lord deserves your thanks through your trials. Amen. He deserves your worship through your weakness. He still deserves your praise through your pain. Psalms 34 and 17 says the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. 
and he delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Verse 19 says, a righteous man may have many troubles. Amen? You could be walking with Jesus, and you could be living righteously, and the Lord could be all upon your life and in your life. But it says, the righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Amen. The Lord will see you through all of them. It says he protects all of his bones and not one of them will be broken. It says evil will slay the wicked and the foes of the righteous will be condemned. But it says the Lord redeems his servants and no one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. A powerful minister of God, Chuck Swindoll, said this, a teardrop on earth summons the king of heaven. Wow. What is he suggesting? He's simply saying that when you cry out to God, when what you have experienced moves your heart that causes you to cry out to God, and guess what? Anything that causes us to pray is a good thing, even circumstance. But when you cry out to the living God, the living God responds because he's not a God who is far away. He's not a God who is distant. He's not a God who is just some kind of weekend stepfather, but he is a God who is near. He is a God who's close. And even when we are a broken situation or in a broken hearted state, the Lord is even more near than he's ever been. And when tears fall from your eyes because of what you're experiencing, because of the heaviness, because of all the things that you've gone through, then the Lord is ever so close. And he is right there. He's waiting to embrace your life. He is waiting to hug you. He's waiting to restore you. He's waiting to just heal all that hurt, frustration, and all the things that go through our mind. He's, he's there. He's ready to just bring that overwhelming feeling off of your life because guess what? From that place, you still cry out to him. If we only thank God in the good times, if we only praise God when things are good, then we're actually doing what David said he didn't want to do. David said that he would not offer the Lord a sacrifice that cost him nothing. You see, it's got to cost you something. Say, Lord, I have to muster up everything in my fiber, every part of my being, Lord, to just tell you that I love you. And those moments happen. Those moments come and those moments go. Like I said, some of the most challenging seasons of my life have caused many, many tears to fall to the ground. Tears of hurt, frustration, abandonment, all sorts of things. But every time I was overwhelmed with the thoughts that the enemy tried to plant in my heart and in my mind, just simply thanking God from that place always caused a shift. And what was the shift? The shift was always a reposturing of my heart to him. Instead of looking at him like I was angry and like he was the one that caused it, all of a sudden I turned to him like a child that's reaching up his arms for rescue. You see, don't let the enemy stop you from thanking God. Don't let your season change your song because you can either dine with the Lord in the presence of the devil or you can miss Jesus right in front of you because you're distracted on the enemy that's swirling around your life. When he said that he would set a table before you in the presence of your enemies. 
That meant that even in the place, even in the midst of a war in your life and in the war for your heart and in the war for your soul, you could still sit face to face with Jesus. And from that place, it's just like the three Hebrew boys, right? They were given the orders to bow down and to worship King Nebuchadnezzar, but they said, we're not going to worship him. We're not going to bow down to that idol. And even though that, that furnace was heated seven times hotter, the Bible says that the moment they stepped foot in that furnace, there was not three, but there was four. And there was the son of the living God. And guess what? Those who threw them into the furnace, they were the ones that said it. They said, God, we, we, Master King, we knew that there was three that we sent in there, but the fourth actually looks like the Son of Man. And can I tell you, I don't care what your fiery furnace is, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. And some of you have been too weary to worship because the enemy hopes for nothing more but to wear you down with attacks and with frustration and even maybe persecution to result in an unthankful spirit and an unthankful heart towards God. I'll share this quickly, but the apostles were persecuted for sharing their faith. The apostles were persecuted for testifying and preaching the gospel and teaching and preaching Jesus. And their persecution was so heavy, church, their persecution was real. Like in America, we don't really know what persecution is. A persecution to us is like if somebody says a negative comment, you know, when you share a Bible verse from your social media. Say, like, ooh, persecution. Oh my gosh, they're all attacking me. No, persecution for them actually meant being whipped and being chained. It actually meant being taken captive and, and being told to shut up and being told to not speak the name of Jesus any longer. They were literally given orders from, from the government. They were given orders from, from Pharisees and high priests and people of authority and power. And yet they still said, no, 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 you can't stop us from saying his name because his name is too precious. His name means more to me than anything that you could ever do to my life. You see, that's devotion to Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that they loved their life not so much. They, they weren't willing to give their life as a complete sacrifice. They were willing to die for the Lord. The persecution that they faced was so heavy. And sometimes you could even be under attack for your faith in Jesus. That is verbally or sometimes it's spiritual. It's people, you know, throwing witchcraft or curses towards your life. Sometimes it's physical. People could be wounded or beaten for believing in Jesus. But regardless of the reason why, there is one who is still worthy. Amen. And his name is Jesus. He's still worthy of all the praise all the time. 1 Peter 4 and 12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. He said, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. He says, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, amen? How many of you are blessed in this house tonight, amen? He says, if you suffer, it should not be as, as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or meddler. It says this, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. Praise God and worship God that you bear the name of Jesus. Matthew 5 and 11 says, Blessed are you when people insult you, 
when they persecute you and they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. He says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.